All right, we're back at it. Welcome to Rationalish with a special guest today, my other brother, making his uh, first appearance on the pod. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for having me. I'm here with the prestigious Eddie Matthews, and uh, you know, usually you're getting a lot of lefty lib snowflake stuff thrown your way, but uh, I'm gonna bring some right wing libertarian wisdom your way today that's uh that's why we're having you on we can't have too many snowflakes on this pod we have are we we have too 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 many already <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about your experience meeting the illustrious Sam Beam of uh, the band Iron and Wine, and um, one of my favorite bands. I've been listening to them. I mean, for I don't know ten years at this point. Specifically, his song "The Trappy Swinger" has been my anthem for the past like six months. It's just wow. been yeah. Um, such a well it's a nine minute just incredible kind of it kind of reminds me of that Bob Dylan song that he wrote for the death of Woody Guthrie okay yeah I know what you're talking about Um, it's just such a beautifully long and eloquent song that just keeps like going and it's just easy to get into them too but um, that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about they did uh uh, so Sam Beam of Iron and Wine did an album with Calexico, their second album together, and it released, I believe, earlier this year, and it's really good. I enjoy it. Well, first of all, what what do you think about the album? Um, it's good. You know, when you listen to the second album done by a duo that you really liked, it's kind of hard to like the sequel. Um, because you always feel like the original's better, you know? Sure. But, I mean, it's a good album. Like, I'll put it on. But He Lays in the Rains is a different type of gold. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I so, think they're... For- I'll just tell you the story, and then you can kind of ask me some questions about it afterwards. I love that. From there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those of you that don't know, I of grapes for a living i'm a vineyard manager and basically from the end of august to the beginning of november is kind of harvest season for everyone in california central california and so one of my clients that i sell grapes to is this guy whose family owns dell's pizzeria which was one of my previous employers so i've known this guy for a very long time and he hit me up and he's like, Hey, I got these tickets to Iron and Wine in Clexico. They're playing in Saratoga. Um, where they're playing is at this old winery called Palmason Winery. It's like this, it's kind of this very prestigious wine brand that's back in the day. And so um, he's, he's playing at this beautiful winery. And so we basically show up to this thing and we bring wines like three different wines that he made and a wine that I made. We go in the back 
and we're backstage hanging out and then we meet Joey who is basically he is Clexico so he's the lead singer and writes all their songs and he got the idea and Clexico is a band and they got their name from down it's a border town and his idea was to infuse like Latin American music with Mexican music but do it in kind of a gringo way um, but it's a lot of basically electric guitar percussion instruments stand up bass and like some mariachi like string instruments Calexico's so oh sorry to interrupt Calexico it reminds me of one of those bands that is it's kind of like the Pixies they're massively influential to a lot of bands that made it way bigger and are more prominent but they're not as well known as those bands that they influenced you know yeah and so they're definitely like super prominent in that world but not super popular and they're from like tucson arizona so we're hanging out backstage with joey and pouring him the wines and he's just asking us so many questions about what we do and how we became to do it and he's like very inquisitive very smart and all of a sudden sam beam like appears out of the the misty mercs of the back room and it's just full beard in my face and he's just he's like so quiet and like has this very strange humor uh it kind of like speaks out of the side of his mouth with like this southern accent um and it's pretty funny because he almost like whispers when he talks so you really have to pay attention to what he's saying and he has like a heavy sarcasm so i can imagine i mean with him what is it fair to say that he's sort of like an amateur wine connoisseur as well i just remember a takeaway show of his where i believe it was in paris or something and he did tree by the river and you know the first 30 seconds of the video is just him drinking red wine and kind of commenting on it out of the side of his mouth too quiet to hear like you're talking about yeah i mean he was down in some old french guy's wine cellar playing one of his songs um and so he's a heavy wine connoisseur but more of like natural wines artisan wines like small lot wines and so that was really interesting because he's he's kind of like a wine geek so he knows a lot of producers from all over the world but so he tried both our wines and he liked them and uh darren gave him some bottles of wine and also gave him a book because darren's an author um and darren's the client that i'm selling grapes to that's bringing me to the concert and so he basically signs two books for iron and wine in calexico and they're getting his autograph when like we should be getting their autograph (laughs) kind of dumbfounding that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, and he just, they just kind of hung out and like joked around with us and asked us about ourselves and what we do and stuff. And then uh, they're like, yeah, just hang out backstage as long as you want. We got to get ready for the show. And so we're just hanging out, drinking some wine. And then all of a sudden we hear this like playing from in the back rooms and they're kind of like back in the corner, like strumming together, harmonizing together, like warming up for the set. And was, my mind was just being blown. Like we're just backstage hanging out with Iron and Wine and they're like getting ready to put on a show. I feel like the older I get, the more I can discern whether somebody is interested 
not just in what I'm saying, but if there's any interest in them learning about who I am as they're kind of like digesting what I'm saying, or if they're, you know, that classic line from Fight Club where they're just waiting for their turn to speak, um, or or there's kind of that that LA stigma of you know being at a party and uh, being in a conversation, the other person is just looking around, looking for someone more interesting to talk to. It sounds like these guys were just really present in the moment with you, interested in what you do and who you are. And what a, what a cool, you know, way to be in the world. Yeah. I mean, just super genuine people. And I mean, for a lot of you that don't aren't familiar with their music, uh, iron and wine to hipsters is probably like one of the most famous coveted artists like of all time. Like you could put iron and wine, in any like hipster crowd and they'd be like oh yeah this is cool yeah for it for indie folk music uh sam beam is is on mount rushmore yeah it's like him and sufjan stevens and uh who else did we put up there maybe um jeff mangum and uh maybe david byrne like isaac brock maybe isaac brock too yeah um, so how was the show? Uh, I saw a little video of it on Instagram, uh, when they were playing Heelys and Reigns. And it was interesting because, uh, rather than Sam Beam doing the kind of predominant vocals on Heelys and Reigns, it sounds like, uh, the Calexico guy whose name I'm blinking on, um, kind of did the opening verse and then Sam was more harmonizing. So, um, it sounded good. Yeah, it was... It was really interesting because Joey, the lead singer of Calexico, who we spent a lot of time with and hanging out, we spent maybe like two hours with this dude over the course of the time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he ended up taking the reins of the whole show. Oh, okay. So did that mean that it was a lot more of him with lead vocals and then uh, Sam Beam kind of backing vocals or harmonizing for a lot of the yeah, songs? Ex- exactly. And so... The thing is about these guys is they're insane musicians um, and they can play a lot of different instruments, but they mainly play like electric guitar and acoustic guitar, but their background, they have a band of probably, it's probably like six people, including them, but their their other people in the band play like stand-up bass, like a bunch of different like Mexican percussion instruments, like drums and like different bells and stuff and then there's a horn like a heavy horn section to the music um so that was really interesting played an amazing set and then afterwards i went back uh and hung out was hanging out with joey and he autographed uh my record he lays in the reins and like told him the story about how I used to play this record like all the time and basically I was just down in the igloo um, which was by a river in a like redwood grove and I would just play this record like super loud like in the middle of kind of this wooded area and like how much the music meant to me at the time and everything it was insane Uh, what, Um, what did he respond to? with that story he was just like he was super inquisitive again he's like well what was going through your life like at the time and i was like well 
I smoked a lot of weed. My parents kicked me out, and I was kind of living in this, like, one-bedroom studio on my family's ranch, like, across from my uncle. And, like, me and my uncle bonded a lot during that time. So when I hear your music, it reminds me of being there and, like, bonding with my uncle and stuff. And it was really cool. Yeah, I want to say I got you that vinyl as a Christmas present. Yeah. Um, so my favorite, one of my favorite memories of the igloo is, uh, when you and Nelson were playing igloo pong or is that what you called it? Yeah. Um, which was beer pong, but all the cups were filled with rocks naturally. Um, and then you would get the worst is that there was a big rock in just one of the cups and it was so hard to get that in, you know to, to yeah. end the game with that. Cause it would always bounce out when it hit that huge rock. But my favorite, um, anecdote was, uh, you guys like having a fridge full of beer and no bottle opener. And when I asked you why you didn't have a bottle opener, your kind of, um, synchronized response was essentially, why would we have a bottle opener when you can open a beer with literally anything? And then Nelson, <laughs> and then Nelson proceeded to, open to prove his point he opened his bottle of beer on the handle of a fire extinguisher in the middle of the concert joey starts talking about like thanking people and like how much this it's the final night of the tour oh i didn't know that that's what an incredible uh show to go to yes it's the final night of the tour and uh he looks out me and darren are like maybe three rows back or something in the crowd he looks out to us and he's like actually we got a winemaker and a vineyard manager here and the vineyard manager is gonna leave this show and go pick grapes all night so i just want to toast to the 2019 harvest season and everyone like toasted us <laughs> blown. that's unreal yeah. Did people, was yeah. this a, was this a, a wine crowd? Like, did people have glasses of wine enjoying this show and they were like raising their, raising theirs or what? Yeah, exactly. So there's wine everywhere. Um, and then like Palmas, like the ghost of Palmasan, like felt like it was theirs. Palmasan and the winery it's named after is this guy who brought suitcase cuttings of clonal material of grapevines from France back to Saratoga in like the seventies and then basically started propagating vineyards in the Santa Cruz mountains and like Saratoga area. So he's like, um, super famous in the wine community and it, his winery is theirs, his old winery. Um, and just like the ghost of Palmasan was there. It was all surreal. Yeah. That's incredible. And it sounds like a, like a cool venue. They have shows there a lot or yeah and it's mostly like uh more like indie acts okay yeah sure yeah did they just play through the album the whole new album and then some of the old ones or yeah so they played through the Maju they played through the whole old album and a lot of the new album and then sam beam played some of his originals oh wow yeah and uh um, and he lays and rains that track took the cake for you guys oh uh, yeah for me How do they do that opera part on He Lays and Rains live? So what they do is they tour with um, a Mexican opera singer and 
he comes in and he sings that part and then he plays like a few of the Mexican percussion instruments when he's when he's not singing. That must have been astounding to to listen to and watch. Yeah. Um then I shared one more thing with him was like when Joel, my cousin, and you went to the arcade fire show and uh UC Berkeley theater, the Greek theater that they have there. I remember it well. About how we saw their last of their songs being played there, but then they played the horn section um, on Ocean of Noise. Yeah. The Neon Bible album by Arcade Fire. And that was super mind blowing, also. That show's probably the best, the best show I've ever been to. And I've seen Arcade Fire three times, but that one was. That one was especially, I mean, for so many reasons, obviously. Um, I think it was around this time of the year, because I think you guys, I think that was a birthday present to me. Yeah, I would say. So that was probably that must have been like October, beginning of November. That must have been like 10, 10 years ago we did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's unreal. And uh, I think we, I think we were walking in and we saw like the last half of alone again tonight um so we like basically missed the whole like Calexico set but caught the last half and we could hear those horns and I don't know if you remember that as well but yeah what a cool time um wow man that's incredible and it sounds like uh I don't know it's cool to meet your heroes and and for it not to ruin the music but actually to uh, imbue the music with a whole new life. Like that's a really encouraging thing that, that definitely isn't always a given, especially with musicians. You kind of hear these horror stories all the time about, you know, Bob Dylan or whoever (laughs) that just these kind of difficult encounters where it kind of takes away from the mystique of their music. But for these guys to be just genuinely inquisitive souls, like what's, I don't know. It says something good about the world. Yeah. I mean, it just makes you like their music even more, and it makes like the connection even stronger to it. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, shoot. Thanks for uh, sharing that anecdote. I um, I feel like I got a small slice of just what it would have been like to to share in that experience. I think um, there's something really special about that, and that's why I was so excited to see that they did another collaboration, like that mix of. Sam Beam's voice with that, those kind of, especially on the first album, those like really beautiful meditative, like there's a lot of slide guitar, I feel like, especially in 16, maybe less. And I don't know, it's a real, it's a spiritual thing, you know, to listen to. Yeah. The one other thing I wanted to share on the pod was, uh, I was at this engagement party with like a bunch of you and Morgan's, uh, high school peers. And I always get the question everywhere I go, like, oh, how's Eddie going? Like, how's he doing? And everyone, like, recalls, like, the last thing that they probably heard about you. <laughs> um, which is really funny. Yeah. But uh, I was talking to Pepe, and Pepe's like, yeah, I heard Eddie and Morgan have a podcast. It's like, I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> Pod's blowing up. So yeah. Many fans. Yeah. Um... I'm always really surprised and delighted to hear like any single person that reaches out and they're like, hey, I listen to the pod. So shout out to Brandon Canan, Matt McDougall's cousin, for hitting me up on Twitter and saying he's a fan of the pod. Um, 
And always, we welcome um, this episode, you know, was uh, the result of a listener of the pod's idea. You reached out and be like, hey, let me show this beautiful story. And it turned into a good episode of the pod. So any other listeners who want to come on and talk about a topic, by all means, this was a true pleasure. And to get and to get um, my other brother on the pod, too, you know, it's a uh, it's a family affair now. It is. Um, I must say. There's one Democratic candidate that I'm voting. I wouldn't, probably wouldn't vote for him, but like if I was forced to, with like a gun to my head, I'd probably vote uh, Mayor Pete. Oh, sweet! That's uh, he's our he's our number one pick. He's you know me and Morgan collectively. Um, well, that's good to hear. I also I, really liked your guys's uh, recap of the the Democratic debate and recent episode on db cooper really enjoyed it oh wow i appreciate you saying that because i know you mean it when you say it all right i'm signing off to all you cream puffs out there keep listening to the pod even though they're liberal as shit (laughs) yeah see you later snowflakes